Welcome to Heating Up, a podcast about climate change, our dangerous future, and what you can do about it. Here we are. Yeah. Week, I don't even know anymore, 30-something. Day 3,000. <laughs> yeah. It's been less than a year. <laughs> we got to do something for our one-year anniversary. Oh, yeah. What is the classic one-year I don't know. Tradition. We'll have to look into it. We'll look into it. Live broadcast somewhere. <laughs> God no. For all not. of our thousands of followers, all ten of our family members can. We'll just we'll just live stream Christmas. That's yeah, what that's we'll what we'll do. <laughs> Special year. There we go. Uh, Welcome everyone. Welcome all of our new listeners. Um, all hundreds of thousands. Yeah, thousands. I must be. Anyways, thank you guys for listening to the show. This is a show, the third best show about climate change <laughs> and disaster Sacramento. preparedness in Sacramento <laughs> that you've ever heard. Uh, we do want to thank everyone who's been passing on the pod. We mm-hmm. have seen a little bit of uptick in listeners this uh, past couple of weeks. So thank you all for spreading the word and letting people know about our little podcast here. And yeah. It's if you been, do like it. Yeah. Continue to pass the word along or write a review or both. Mm-hmm. And yeah, thanks so much. So this week, Corinne, we're going to do a little bit of news. We've been gone for a couple weeks. So you're going to... No, it's not so bad today. (laughs) And then we've got some disaster preparedness at the end for a special treat. I'm going to leave... I'm not going to tell you what it is. Surprise! Yep. There's as much as you hate that I don't prepare. There's some level you can throw things at me. Yeah, well, that's how I make it fun for me. Yeah. (laughs) Since I have to do all the preparation for this podcast. For the Preppers podcast. I was going to do old school news quiz, but I didn't have time. So I think next week... We'll go back to news quiz. I'll have to start watching my NPR this, listening to my NPR this yeah. week. It's been um, a couple of weeks since we last recorded. Yeah, it's new with me. Uh, the Good Place is back out. Nice. So uh, I've been watching well, this one episode. Uh, on top of that, The Great British Bake Off, which is, of course, forcing me to only watch one episode a week because that's what they're releasing, like some kind of They're not doing monster. like a full season? No, they're not doing a... Uh, Boom, here's an entire season all at once. They're making you watch one week at a time. Like, it's 1995 or something, um, which is frustrating more than anything. But you're doing it. But I'm going to keep doing it because it's the British Baking Show and I love everything about it. Anything um, non-TV related that you've been doing? Oh, oh, the, you mean my life life. Oh, yeah. okay. Uh, I, I started assistant coaching a soccer team. That's true. Yes. Bunch of adorable little kids. Yes, it's pretty cute. I finally, I saw... Last week, that the podcast Bundyville, uh-huh. which I think I recommended on this podcast a while back. Either to this um, podcast or me, because I remember. I've certainly recommended it to anybody who listens to me. So if it's... <laughs> Sorry, I'm, I'm everyone. I'm sure somewhere in the podcast years ago, or earlier. Years ago. Years ago See, ago, even you agree. Way back. <laughs> I recommended the podcast Bundyville to anyone who's concerned at all about, like, the American West and kind of the mo- stuff that's going on. And they released their second season, which is all about, like, the Patriot movement and kind of the fallout from Bundyville or, the, like, the Bundys and their ideology. So it's great. Uh, definitely listen to that. Uh, FIFA 20 came out. Mm-hmm. So I've been playing FIFA. On the How U- different is it from FIFA 19? It actually, it has a whole okay. new, like, game <laughs> mode <laughs> where you can play with, like, three or five people. It's pretty good. I and, meant to be rhetorical. <laughs> I know. <but laughs> you asked. <laughs> But that's my other podcast, FIFA Today. FIFA Today. Um, I'm, I'm re-listening to This American Life again, getting back into that. And and then I went to um, a Dimple and bought some cheap some cheap Christmas music. R.I.P. Yeah, nice. I know that you bought a CD that we had in our house when we were yes, kids. Yes, That is a bunch of celebrities doing Christmas it's songs or things. Taco Bell Presents. <laughs> Yes. Um, but I think it must have been like 
kind of a big one considering someone else had it. That or our local Taco Bell handed them out in 1997 and we all had a copy. I don't know. But it has like a bunch of celebrities doing things. But the yeah. one that I remember from being from a kid and that you pointed out to me was Rush Limbaugh. This was back <laughs> when he was a radio host and not a disgraced whatever he is now. But he does was the night before christmas boy if that man doesn't have a nice sounding voice <laughs> when he isn't spitting out evil well i mean he was high on pills at the time right. so it's nice and mellow. uh but yeah that's the first song on the cd uh was the night before start christmas you out rush right limbaugh. with rush limbaugh um, nothing says christmas like rush they move on through there's some good uh, additions i think they've got dolly uh dolly parton and is it kenny rogers singing Probably. i believe in santa claus some other some other good ones. I also found Boys to Men's Christmas album, which So you just bought a bunch of Christmas CDs? I went to the Christmas section and if I recognized it from our childhood, I bought it, or if it was just funny, I bought it. There was this uh there was one I bought that was Festivus. Anyway, I bought like half of their Christmas collection. So Good times. Pretty good. Okay, well, maybe we should get into the podcast now. Is it time for a couple that? of minutes in, yeah. Okay. Uh, let's see. Well, we've been gone for a couple weeks and all sorts of stuff has been happening. Mm-hmm. Right after we last recorded, they had the climate strike on Friday. Right. I guess we should say first, uh, for those of you that are waiting to find out what happened at Area 51. Oh, right. Nothing really happened. Did anyone go? A couple people showed up and politely asked to be let in. And, and then the like, armed yeah, this military police said, no, get out. Yeah. But, uh, so nothing happened in Area 51. Oh. No aliens. Or at least not today. That same day was the climate strike. Right. So in much kind of more important news, uh, Greta Thunberg arrived in New York and gave her very emotional, very great speech at the UN. Hard to hear. Yeah, it was very hard to hear. Very passionate. Um, Definitely worth a listen to if you haven't listened to or seen it. And then that kicked off the whole week of action from Extinction Rebellion. So there were protests around the world, thousands of people trying to get some action on our climate change. So... Yeah, so everyone just decided we're going to fix it, and they're all heaving in. And we're all going to fix it. Yeah. But you know what? We got to see a perfect meme of Greta staring at Donald Trump. Yeah, if there's one thing that we needed out of this, it's another meme. (laughs) Well, you can't have enough, can you? We're not actually going to fix the climate. We might as well Might as well enjoy it while we burn. Yeah. Let's see. Tropical storms have continued to just batter everywhere. Great. Um, They're coming up the east side of Mexico and the west side of Mexico. They're everywhere. They're up to like letter N or O now. Hmm. Um, So they they letter up. They number them by letters of the alphabet. So they give up like before the season starts. They like release the list of all the names, Mm. and then they just start going. So number one is A, and number two is B, and goes on. So correct. Getting 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 deep into down to the Olivias, huh? Yeah, something like that. I don't know what the O is, but you can find the list online. Google it see what else there was that report i don't you probably saw this this made the news that the united states has lost three billion birds since 1970 i didn't see that no no this is it was a pretty big deal uh (laughs) it's a pretty big pretty big pretty big bird deal (laughs) but uh yeah so the u.s is in the middle of a bird apocalypse three billion birds have disappeared great yeah I don't know how to comment on that. Yeah, I don't know what to say about that either. (laughs) Just that that's happened. Mm -hmm. We'll do just a little bit of news today. Okay, please. Uh, The news will be short and sweet, and then we'll get into the meat of the podcast. Which is a surprise to me, as with every week. Because you never (laughs) even ask. Well, there you go. Find someone else to do your partner. Good luck. Good luck. Find the other Warnkin. Yep. So the first bit of news I have here is that a massive chunk of a glacier in the Alps is about to fall off. So uh, the Mont Blanc 
glacier, uh, or the Massif, has a giant glacier that is about to collapse any day now. They can't really say for sure when it'll collapse, but they've been monitoring its movement, and it started to move like a ton, so they're like, is the thing's going to go real quick. <laughs> yeah. It's actually a glacier that's moving 19 to 23 inches a day. That's crazy. Like, you can see that that's movement. That's two feet, that's yeah. Vi- that's visual movement. That's not, like, in theory, it's moving. Yeah, so this thing is 8.8 million cubic feet of ice. And so because there's no real way to detect when it's going to go, the local town has closed a couple of roads that would be impacted when the thing falls off just permanently. said, until this thing goes, you know, because it could be any minute. There was also a new IPCC report that warns that extreme sea level events that used to occur every century will be occurring on some coasts every year by 2050. So we've talked quite a bit about how sea level rise is going to be a huge disaster and the ipcc keeps releasing more and more apocalyptic sounding reports what's crazy is that the ipcc was like always very conservative and still is on its estimates for what the impacts of these things were so like 20 years ago people like myself were screaming about the dangers of climate change and the ipcc's reports were talking about well it might not be that bad you know we could limit it to two degrees and then nothing will happen and Now they're catching up with the more extreme science. So according to the most recent report by the IPCC, half of the world's megacities, which include almost 2 billion people, will be living along coastlines that will be impacted by by sea level rise. Some of them will just simply have to move because the city will be underwater. We talked about Jakarta moving, or Mm -hmm. sorry, Indonesia moving their capital. Yes. um, Because they, you know, it's sinking on its own island. It's not great. Yeah, even if we can limit somehow the warming to 2 degrees Celsius, Uh, that will still cause several trillion dollars in damage a year uh, due to sea level rise. So that's the latest IPCC report. Lovely. Great times. Uh, Let's see, next up in the news. Brazil, back in the news, not because the Amazon is on fire. Interesting. Although the Amazon is still on fire. Correct. Nearly 100 oil spills have been detected along Brazil's northern coast since early September. Brazil's environmental agency said an analysis of the crude showed that it was not produced in that country but that they don't know where it's coming from. What? Yeah, so far, 105 crude oil spills have been detected. They stretch over 932 miles of Brazil's northeast coast, affecting 46 cities and around 100 of the country's beaches since being first detected on on September 2nd. Mystery oil? Yeah, so they don't know what the leak is, so that's going to make it hard to to fix. Uh, And they're saying that it's not their oil. But of course, this is the Brazilian environmental minister who like worked for the oil companies, you know, and was famous for you know essentially allowing the fire to go on in the Amazon. So he's a bit of a monster. So who knows what's going on with this? Lord. Yeah. So not great. Lovely. We have more news still. We had an Elon Musk story. Okay. Yeah. I don't know if you saw this this week, but he uh, unveiled his new, definitely not phallic-looking spaceship. <laughs> Never. Uh, so SpaceX has released their new prototype spaceship, which they think will sometime definitely probably be taking people into space. And Why? then really soon after that, definitely going to be going around the solar system. I don't believe it one bit. Like when I look, I take, all right, people who know me know that I have a bone to pick with space. Just I in general. hate space too. We can both, I think anti-space, we've talked about this a few times, but we have, this is an anti-space podcast, strong anti-space podcast. <laughs> Strong anti-Elon Musk podcast. Uh, So Elon Musk 
whose company Tesla was recently convicted of violating numerous labor laws, including retaliating against union organizers. Oof. Uh, whose company Tesla also has failed to meet its own internal targets for getting their cars out, who has failed to produce the luxury car, the affordable car that he wanted, and whose new, like, cars... I don't know if you saw this. So the latest update for the Teslas include that, like, self-drive thing, Mm -hmm. like the button you can press to get your car to come to you. Yeah. And, like, the day it was released, it was already causing tons of accidents because it doesn't work very well. Here's the thing about entrepreneurs. That guy is going to get us to the Mars, I guess. That's the thing about people who do one thing right one time and are white men. And then they're like, I can do anything. I can literally travel to the stars. Then they think they are Oprah. And then they're like, listen, I'm going to make a car. It's going to be affordable. It's going to drive itself. I'm going to take us to space. We're all going to live there. It's going to be great because I did one thing one time. And then turns out you're just a regular old idiot. Yep. But uh, no. And our final bit of news this week, Corinne. Uh, winter storm warnings have been posted for parts of western Montana, northern Idaho, and northeast Washington. Snow was also forecast for areas of Wyoming, Utah, Oregon, Nevada, and California as a massive storm moves in over the western half of the United States, I guess. The brunt of the storm will hit Montana, though, where the governor has declared a state of emergency after two feet fell on Saturday in the mountains and a record 14 inches fell in Great Falls. Interesting. And yeah, we had our tornado right here in uh, Davis yeah, there was this weekend. A small tornado that didn't do any damage. No damage, nothing really happened. big deal in California when there's a tornado. Yeah, kind of unusual. So that's the news, I guess. Okay. We have our own personal kind of bit of prepper failure we could talk about. Do we need to revisit? Oh, well, we're going to talk a little bit about it. So okay. on Saturday, we were going to oh, the <laughs> Sacramento fail. Republic game. We failed hard. So Sacramento has a minor league soccer team. It's, it's wonderful. It's g- great, great, good times. And they're going to be a major league. They're going to be in the MLS pretty soon. But for right now, they're playing in the minor leagues, and we like to go to the games. And so we got tickets to go with our club. So Corinne has never been. It's so my myself, first my brother, game. MJ, we're all going to take Corinne to this game. And all day it was kind of cold, uh, but it kept saying, you know, chance of rain, 10%, 20%. Real low. So we go to the game. We're all dressed warmly, but not for wet weather. And it started dumping on us while we were out there. It was we had lightning to... and thunder. And, and serious rain. It didn't last too long, but just long enough to thoroughly drench us as we raced your, back to the car. Your daughter with 0% body fat was soaked beyond repair. And she's like, I mean, I'm already wet. I'm like, it's going to get colder. You're yeah. just going to sit here. So we're going to call that uh, preparedness fail because we were not prepared for the weather. Mm-hmm. And then we didn't have the stuff. Like, this is one thing that made me think, oh, I'm going to put some, like, some of those, like, plastic, cheap plastic ponchos. Like, the next time, next time I go to... You know, Walmart or, yeah. or dollar store or something. And I see a couple of those. I'm going to grab them just to keep them in my car bag. And yeah. my because we talked a couple weeks ago about car preparedness. Right. We, I don't know if Failed. we mentioned having. I think we mentioned briefly having you know clothing blankets, for weather or yeah. blankets for weather. But yeah, like rain ponchos. Those things are super cheap, super small, super light. You could stuff them into your car bag. Pretty simple. Um, you should probably keep them in all of your emergency supplies. But we were not ready for that, so we no. should admit our failure. Shame on ourselves. We. And then, we are ashamed. Yeah. We, you did one good thing. What? Well, we were trying to get out. There's this one teeny tiny line to exit and everyone's trying to leave. Uh, and we are rule followers to uh, most most of the time. And uh, there's a little tiny, like b- barely like a centimeter uh, thick uh, chain that kept everyone from going through other lines. Yeah. Th- hundreds and hundreds of people were trying to, <laughs> to squeeze through. The, it was a real funnel scenario. Yes. And so we just kind of 
snapped the chain off. <laughs> One of us who shall remain nameless broke the chain. Uh, and just raced out into the park. Because we we're getting out. drenched and we're just yes. sitting there like it was going to take us 20 minutes to get no. through the funnel. Well, no time So I feel that. like everyone, I'm, I'm, I don't want to say that I'm a hero. But <laughs> it felt in that moment kind as if of you a kind hero. of were. Yeah. Yeah, we were failures as preppers that day. So that's our prepper failure. But we're going to get into some actual climate preparedness prepping today. Let's hear it. So yeah, so the bulk of today's episode is going to be uh, talking about the relationship between climate change and disease. Mm. And then we're going to get into kind of preparing for diseases. It is the start of flu season, Corinne. I have my flu shot. Yeah, so we both had our flu shots. And we'll talk about vaccines and flu shots later on. But there's a huge link between climate change and disease. And so we're going to talk a little bit about what those links are. And then in the end, we're going to get into how to get ready for just kind of pandemic Oh, Lord. Yeah. And I am a weak stock. This is not good news. Yeah. So when we think about, like, climate change nightmares, we tend to focus on things like wildfires or, like, floods and hurricanes and natural disasters like that. And there's, uh, and all those things are going to get much worse and are already happening more frequently because of climate change. So that's not wrong, but really even, like, massive areas that get flooded. So, like, when the giant floods throughout the Midwest this year... Not a ton of, like, true death is what I'm talking about. Like, okay. for pure, like, dollars for your investment in death, <laughs> right, they're not that much. One. <laughs> that is not a way to put it. So, so like, for pure bang for your buck, the like, a flood is not going <laughs> to not gonna kill nearly as many people uh, as some other type of disasters. You want to get to the high body count disasters, Corinne? You got to deal with germs. Plagues. Plagues. So we're going to talk about infectious diseases and how they're actually linked to climate change. Gross. Yeah, because there's a huge connection. Two actual big connections. Okay. Well, more than that. We're going to talk about a bunch of them. So the first easiest way that climate uh, climate change is connected to disease is the one that most people kind of understand, which is that as the planet heats up, it creates more conductive habitat for some of the creatures that carry diseases, some of the, the vectors. So things like mosquitoes and ticks. So we already see this with the huge tick infestations in the north. Like, I don't know if you follow this story. I don't know if we've covered it too much on our podcast. But ticks are becoming a real problem. And they're spreading Lyme disease to animals. Uh, they're killing, like, they're sucking the blood out of, like, freaking moose and stuff. It's Yikes. crazy how many of these ticks are. Like, but it's because the temperature is heating up and they're able to reproduce or move into areas they didn't used to live. So... The other thing, yeah, with mosquitoes, as the temperature warms, mosquitoes that carry diseases like Zika or dengue fever, and that these are diseases that the World Health Organization identifies as clearly going to be expanded in scope due to climate change because the things that carry them and transmit them to humans are going to have increased areas in which they can go. So, like, the mosquitoes that carry Zika are going to be moving beyond just Florida in the next few years. They're going to be moving into Georgia and you know, Louisiana and other places. So hmm. it's going to be uh, increases in a lot of those diseases just because the planet is heating up and those climates where those things can thrive are going to gonna go. Lovely. Yep. But another less appreciated link is that environmental destruction uh, is causing humans to compete for habitat with animals that they normally wouldn't be close, close to. So hmm. there's a more chance for uh, diseases to jump species. So this is one thing that they think is causing the uh, terrifying Ebola outbreaks. Oh, yeah. So 
Ebola's been in the news quite a bit over the last few years as there's more and more outbreaks happening more and more frequently in Western Africa. And the part of the reason for this is that the environment's being destroyed. The forests are being logged and stripped out and people are moving into the forest. And so it's creating more chances for humans to contract these diseases. And one of the weird, one of the things that Ebola also points out is how a local environmental problem can become a global yeah, problem. Really. Because especially with today's, you know, way society, you know, you can move so quickly from place to place and get on an airplane and be anywhere in the world in less than a day. These diseases can spread so rapidly that, you know, it's really important to keep care of your local environment to prevent the spread of these crazy diseases. Yeah, that's intense. But again, that's one that's going to be affected by climate change. So like as the forests burn down, so as the, because the Amazon is on fire, but rainforests around the world, including the African rainforests, have been on fire this past summer. So that destruction of uh, the environment is going to cause more human-animal interactions. So you could reasonably predict an increase in the potential outbreaks of Ebola due to some of this stuff. So, yeah, I mean, that's uh, another interesting exchange between climate change and diseases. Ebola. Yep. And we're not done yet, Corinne. Mm. So not only does climate change increase the risk of infectious disease, increased local minimum temperatures are associated with increasing antibiotic resistance. Oh, that always freaks me out. Yeah, so warmer regions of the U.S. already have a higher prevalence of common bacterial infections with resistance to typical antibiotics. So as it gets warmer, diseases are more hardy. They can resist your antimicrobial uh, soaps, Grant. So yeah, and that's not great. Unacceptable. So as the planet heats up, antimicrobe stuff becomes less effective, which is not great because that's been the one thing that's really helped us kill some of these diseases over the years. <laughs> They're a little bit uh, evolving beyond us, unfortunately. Yeah, but that's not all, Corinne. No. Warmer I... oceans are creating stronger flu seasons. Oh, According boy. to a recent report, uh, yeah, Arizona State researchers have found that warmer winters uh, over the Pacific usually are followed by severe and early flu outbreaks. What's the connection? It's a little complicated because flu actually transmits not as easily when it's warm. So flu is actually, the reason flu season is in the winter is because the flu disease is easier to transmit when it's cold for some reason. Hmm. But what's happening is when it's warm, less people are exposed to kind of like early season flu. So they get less of a resistance. And so then the next year, nobody has that built up immunity. Mm. And so it becomes worse. So there's a bit of a complicated science to it. But basically, warming oceans are tied to increasingly severe flu outbreaks. Some people were trying to talk me out of a flu shot this year. And I was like, are you crazy? Yeah. Well, and here's the thing. Like people think of the flu and they think, oh, it's just a flu. You know, I'll be sick for a couple of days. But the flu is a real killer. Like, it can be crazy. So I'm, I'm going to give you a little news quiz, Corinne, here. Uh-oh. Can you name what event killed the most Americans in the 1900s? World War One, World War Two, or the Spanish flu? I'm going to guess the flu. Yeah, right? The Spanish <laughs> flu actually killed over 60, 675,000 Americans wow. in 1918. And that was more than World War One and World War Two combined. Worldwide, the 1918 Spanish flu killed over 50 million people. So the flu can be deadly and has been in the past. So this was the 1918 flu was actually a really kind of terrible strain of H1N1. Oh yeah. And so a lot of these flus can become pandemic and go across the country and go across the world and kill millions and millions of people. Um, luckily, we haven't had one of those outbreaks recently. But as I said, as the climate warms up, the chance for a really severe flu increases. 
Um, and yeah, as recently as 100 years ago, the flu killed 50 million people. That's crazy. So That grandfather was alive during that yeah, time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's crazy. But well, history's greatest disease, kill, you know, human-killing disease, has also got a climate connection. Let's hear it. That's the plague. The Straight up the plague. Straight up plague. <laughs> so the bubonic plague swept into our history during the Roman Empire. Uh, the first recorded kind of case of, like, global pandemic uh, for the plague was in 541. And that plague was known as the Justinian Plague. And it killed 25 to 50 million people. Back in 541, wow. uh, between 13 and 26% of the world's entire population died because of the plague. That's pretty impressive. <laughs> right? And then it came back as the Black Death in the 1300s and killed somewhere between 75 and 200 million people. Uh, that one, again, like 25% of the world's population. Some countries in Europe, they estimate it might have killed up to 60% of the population. Wow. It was just crazy. And there's a direct link to climate change to the bubonic plague which is the vector thing. So those two outbreaks, so the two big, you know, pandemics were tied to unusually warm seasons in the like high steppes of China where there's this gerbil and the gerbil has this flea that lives on it and the flea is the flea that carries plague. Wait, wait. wait. I, this is crazy. I know, but listen, let me tell you this. Did I fall asleep? <laughs> so what? this this hamster that lives out in the, the wild gerbils uh are like endemic to the plague right the plague is you know and so because it's warm the population of the rodent explodes right okay and which increases the population of plague carrying fleas okay then because the fleas give all these rodents the plague there's a crash in that population <laughs> and the fleas now have to find something else to live on oh, so they Lord. move to their next favorite targets which are like black rats which are the rats that live close to humans and to humans themselves so essentially you get this huge explosion in plague carrying fleas and then the the host animal dies and the fleas have to go somewhere else and so the fleas all move on to things that can to humans and human related animals. Disgusting. It's disgusting, but it's tied to both of the original uh kind of plagues, tied to the cause of the Black Death and the Justinian plague. And again, climate related. And so kind of crazy. And we talked a little bit a month ago about the rat apocalypse. Yes. About how because the planet is warming up, rats are being able to breed all year long, so you're getting more rats. Yeah. And there are animals in the I think uh prairie dogs, but there's some animals in the in the American West that now have endemic plague. So the risk of plague is real and climate related, Corinne. Isn't that one of the diseases that your daughter came home with a note from school about? <laughs> I'm serious. <laughs> Was it scarlet fever? Scarlet fever. Yeah, somebody at her school has got crazy disease. But anyways, I feel like there's a huge connection there between climate change and pandemic diseases. So if you hadn't already had enough to worry about about climate change, because most people don't think about that, I think. Me included, as yeah. someone who catches everything. Yeah. Uh, so now all you have to worry about is deadly diseases. I have to say that puts me uh, in a bit of a like... Oh, well, just forget it, Corinne, because you're definitely going to get the plague. Like, definitely I am not the, the person who avoids it or, or somehow survives the plague. I am in the first round picks of death by plague. <sighs> Scary. So what can you do to prepare for a pandemic, Corinne? That's going to be our next part of the conversation today. Pandemic preparation. So number one 
is vaccines. We're going to lose some viewers. We're going to lose some listeners here. <laughs> but vaccines can help you build up immunity to diseases. Even if you get so if you get the flu shot every year, the flu shot changes year to year based on basically Whatever. the world's top flu scientists guessing which flu is going to be the one that's coming around this I'll year. Take it. They're based on all sorts of science. Some years it's more effective than others because some years they're better at guessing or not. But every single year, even a flu shot that isn't 100% uh, great is going to be better than not because it's going to build up some form of immunity. Okay. So even if you are getting a vaccine for a pandemic uh, that doesn't have a vaccine yet. How does that work? So vaccines for known diseases prepare you for pandemics of new diseases that don't have vaccines yet. Suppose we have an outbreak of a new influenza, something that's deadly, and so new that there's no vaccine for it. Well, how do people die of influenza? It's not just from the virus it's itself. One of the most common cases is secondary pneumonia. People getting pneumonia on top of the flu, right? So that's how people die during the flu. Okay. Completely new infections can weaken your immune system and set you up for a known infection. And guess what we have the vaccine for? The bacteria that causes pneumonia. So if you get a pneumonia vaccine, even if you get the new form of flu, you won't get the pneumonia that the new flu that weakened you, you, that sets you up for. Hmm. Does that make sense? Yes. So get vaccines for everything you can get vaccines for. Man, I thought I was doing good because I got the flu shot like right bef- right in the beginning. And now I'm a failure. Yeah, I don't have a so they recommend that pneumonia vaccine for people that are 65 or older and with certain underlying illnesses. But again, it's one of those things that, you know, if you're a strong, healthy person, you generally don't need the pneumonia vaccine. Anyways, um, the next one is understanding how viruses are transmitted. So it's a bit of knowledge, right? Like most good preps, it's about knowing the right thing. Yes. So knowing how diseases is trans- are transmitted is one of the ways in which we, just the modern world has prevented so many catastrophic influences or whatever from happening. Because we now know about germs yes. and how they're transmitted. We know to wash our hands, which you were talking about. Mm-hmm. We know to cover our mouths. You know, you always see those images of people in China where there's like a thousand people in the picture and they're all wearing the face masks. Yes. But that's because they're trying to prevent infectious disease. I mean, that's smart. Yes. It's a way to do it because our nose and our mouth are how we transmit it to people and how we get it into our body right so having you know those things covered up by those really cheap really easy to buy <laughs> uh masks is a great one uh like i said yeah just washing your hands just constantly washing your hands during flu cold and flu season um self-isolation so this is one i do that every night <laughs> <laughs> on it so yeah i mean clean hands can't be stressed enough but let's say the flu actually does come like let's say a new form of flu hits this summer and it's pandemic, and everybody's coming down with it, and it's a killer, right? What can you do when it's already in the town or whatever, right? Well, we've talked about getting yourself ready. You can essentially quarantine yourself. Mm. So another reason why you might want to have food and water stored in your health, in fact, the World Health Organization, as well as the CDC, recommend as part of preparing for pandemics, having food and water and supplies at home so you don't have to go into public spaces. The more you can avoid any place where other people are, is the you know less likely you're going to get the disease. So if you if there's a huge crazy flu pandemic going through but you have 2 weeks of food and water in your house, guess what? Okay. You don't have to go to the grocery store and get the flu. You can stay home. So making sure you have your preparedness stuff here, making sure you have all of your supplies that you don't need to go to Target for or anything. But yeah, we should go back and cover again hand sanitation. 
Because it is shocking how many people don't use basic hand hygiene. Uh, yeah. It means washing with soap after the bathroom, before you cook, and after you've been shopping. Really, anytime after you've been out in public spaces. Uh, opening doors, pressing buttons, touching grocery carts, anything that some other person should have touched, especially during flu season, you should be kind of cleaning up. You don't have to use the like antimicrobial just whatever soap stuff. Soap is good. Just soap. Even just it's, hot even, water, even anything. Even if you have no soap, rubbing your hands under some water will do some good. Exactly. So uh, hand sanitizer and wipes work well, you know, just to wipe them real have, quick if you else. have them. Yeah. Um, it's easy to carry around, like yeah. those little jars of hand sanitizer. Yeah, I um, have a couple in my car and in my purse, stuff like that. One thing I'll say I learned from my first job working at In-N-Out Burger was the importance of hand washing and how much you touch stuff that other people's touch. Sure. Yeah. And then don't forget the kids. The kids are little disease monkeys, as we've said. And, oh, man, the other day I was at soccer practice, and we were, you know, doing our little cheer at the end, so everybody puts their the hands, hands in. in yeah. And I was realizing, this is a bad idea. <laughs> flu season. <laughs> flu season. And there's actually one kid with, like, snot running down his nose. <laughs> we're, like, trying to do our little team cheer at the end. And I'm just, like, l- watching the germs fly into the air. And get on. So, yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> right so maybe, uh, maybe we should avoid that during flu season. <laughs> All right, everyone, no touching. Just won't be quite the same. Wouldn't be as good as the uh, after-game high fives. Yeah, but... Yeah, no, seriously, though, kids bring home a lot of diseases. They touch a lot of things. They put a lot of things in their mouth. They're disgusting. So making sure that you practice good hygiene when you're around kids and making sure kids learn good hygiene habits. Kids are so bad at it, though. So teaching kids to wash their hands. So one thing you can do is have them sing happy birthday two times. Uh, That's about the length of time you're supposed to be washing your hands. Uh, As an adult, you can also kind of gently sing happy birthday i'm not gonna say that this worked great because marilyn currently does not wash her hands very well but when she was about three or four when i was picking her up from school every day we had a very strict hand washing routine because i was afraid of getting the flu from her kindergarten class and we did like uh like animal uh like animal shapes in the water so she like did like a, a crocodile and it was ways to get her to like actually wash her hands and it worked pretty well at the time. Now, not so much, but to three-year-olds, it might work. So that's kind of prevention. Mm-hmm. Then what can you do if you actually get sick? So if you are getting sick, go get medical help, especially yeah. if you know it's a really bad disease. Yeah. So if there's a pandemic going around, if there's a serious flu or something, go get help. So many times, one of the things that's one of the problems with Ebola is that there's that you know part of the culture is that they don't that it's like kind of shameful i think i was listening Mm. to something or like there's all sorts of like stigma about it so people don't actually seek medical help interesting or even like when someone dies from it like the family will try and bury them without proper you know containment or whatever else so like they spread it after the fact so Mm. there's lots of issues around essentially seeking help and a lot of americans as well we've got this sort of like tough guy i'm just gonna stick it out it's just the just the cold work when you're sick work when you're sick sort of bs uh exactly right so go seek get antimicrobial antiviral medications sorry in the united states there are uh, as many as five different antiviral influenza medications that doctors can give you after you've been sick but generally speaking you want to get it real quickly so if you start getting symptoms you can go get some antiviral medication. It can help you by making you feel better faster. It can prevent you from getting seriously ill, so it can make the infection worse, and prevent complications from the disease. So if you are getting sick, go see a doctor. Go see a doctor quickly. Don't wait until you've got the black lung. (laughs) Or the black plague. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, if you have been exposed to influenza, an antiviral drug may be about 70 to 90% effective in preventing wow. the illness. That's so good. depending on the disease, obviously, or the strain. Also for pandemics, you want to make sure that you stay as healthy as you can by getting adequate rest, uh, managing your stress, eating right, continuing to exercise. All those good healthy habits prevent you from getting disease. Just so hard to do. Right. And then, of course, you can assist people that are more vulnerable in your community. So meaning the elderly in general are going yeah. to be more vulnerable to dying from influenza and other diseases when they do strike. Plan ahead as well for services that might be disrupted. So if there's going to be a serious influenza that, you know, think about it. If, you know, 15% of the population dies because of an influenza, major human services are going to be disrupted. Yeah. Uh, you know, it could mean, so if you have a disease that's had no way related to influenza but requires a daily pill, you know, maybe that shipment that doesn't get made because yeah, 15% of the population is a lot of people. So making sure you have backups for any of your other medical needs so that you don't have to rely on just, you know, last minute ordering or things or running out to the store. Um, see if you can work from home during a pandemic. So if there's a serious disease going around and you have the possibility of not going into work, do that. Do <laughs> don't go to work. Um, and also just stay informed about what the diseases are. So as the CDC gets new information about yearly influenzas, they release it to people so they know what form it is, what are some of the major symptoms, how severe it is, all that sort of stuff. They have like a flu watch website. Um, <laughs> okay. So yeah, I mean, staying up to date and knowing what your risk is at any given moment is also a good uh, prep for it. But yeah, that's kind of uh, flu preparation, Corinne. Gross. And go get your flu shots, guys. Yeah, get them. <laughs> They're free. A lot of the um, time. I think, I know that, you know, Kaiser, the medical around here, offers free flu shots. You can tend to get free flu shots at drugstores. Lots of workplaces give you free flu shots. That's because how I got mine. Well, because they don't want you to not work. Right. They know I'm that... I'm still going to call in sick. <laughs> I got news. <laughs> I got news, job. I'm calling in sick once a month minimum. <laughs> but, uh... I do not want to be sick. Yeah, so I think that's kind of it for flu preparation, pandemic preparation. That's pretty good. Good little reminders of some stuff uh, and fairly doable. Yeah, none of this is really hard. Like I said, the, we've talked before about getting your home ready for disaster. We talked mainly about floods and fires and things, but this is the same type of disaster. And yeah. it definitely is like a, a bug-in scenario more often than like fleeing. You can be better off if you can just shut your front door and stay inside, Netflix yeah. and chill for the rest of my life rest of year yeah <laughs> till climate change is over all right guys thank you for listening this week uh, again pass the pod on um what about the sorry I mean, this is not smooth but the backpack thing oh that's right we do have one last announcement and this is for most of our listeners who are in the greater sacramento area uh a, a friend of the pod uh who works for professionals of water and environment is going to be hosting a emergency bag building workshop for environmentalists on October 24th. It's exciting. So we wanted to plug his event. It's at 6 p.m. at Pizziera Urbano. Pizziera Urbano on 1050 20th Street. <laughs> mm -hmm. So which is downtown Sacramento at 6 p.m. Uh, I don't know if there's a Facebook page for the event yet, but I'm sure that there's something. Uh, but October 24th is the day of the event. They're going to teach you how to build a bug out bag. And then go over like emergency packing lists and do all sorts of stuff. And it'll be a great way to meet other environmental preppers in the area. So other I am. Weirdos. Will you, I will be there. Are I'm, you going to? Corinne I plan is. On going, on going to that. Corinne yes. is going to bail at the last minute and say she's going to go. Okay. But I don't I will really be there. do that. Thank you very much. <laughs> but I appreciate you lumping me in with all millennials. Yeah. 
So anyways, uh, if you just want to really meet your favorite podcast hosts who will be sitting there taking notes. <laughs> I know you uh, guys yeah, are excited. <laughs> right? So, real live celebrities. Uh, anyways, we will see you hopefully there. Um, yeah, October 24th. Have a great day, and we'll see you in a couple weeks. You know, yeah. You know, yeah. I right. don't know. Bye. Bye.